You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hi friends, Mike Prada here, Ben Epstein on the other line. Welcome back to the Limited Upside podcast as part of Prada's Pictures newsletter. Obviously, normally Prada's Pictures is about the X's and O's of basketball. It's very focused on the game, but we just simply cannot do that at this time in our country's history. We cannot do that in the wake of the police brutality, the police murder of George Floyd, the protests that have spawned the police's response to that, the government's response to that. It would be t- it's totally inappropriate to talk about those sports, and frankly, it's to- it's kind of a little bit inappropriate. Would it be if it was just me and Ben riffing on something? So, we were looking for someone who we could talk to that could give us a totally different, more real perspective on what this moment means, and also what this moment means in some ways adjacent to our industry. And you know, we thought of nobody better to invite then Michael Sykes. He's staff writer for For the Win. He has his own newsletter, uh, The Kicks You Wear. I've known Mike for how many years have I known you now? Maybe like five or six years. Obviously, if you're a Wizards fan, you know Mike's work. If you're a basketball fan or if you're a fan of sneaker culture, you know Mike's work. And I just thought you were the perfect person to have on to kind of talk about not just your personal experience with all this which is so powerful but also sort of this really important moment i think in in our culture beyond with your coverage of sneakers you have some really interesting things to say about uh brand statements and how empty they've been so mike thank you so much for coming on to talk to us how are you feeling just generally right now um i'm 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 as good as it gets honestly right now man it's i I appreciate you guys for um having me on and i'm super excited to um, have this conversation. Uh, it, it, it kind of feels, I mean, this, this whole moment in time feels surreal where like, I'm just kind of turning on the news and just seeing utter chaos that is not supposed to, to, to be right now. So I'm kind of just, um, you know, get, getting through it day by day, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, Mike, where, where are you, uh, located right now? But so we can give everyone a little perspective. We're all in different parts so, of the country. So I'm in, I'm in Upper Marlboro, Maryland, which is yep. like, uh, 25, 30 minutes um, from from DC. Okay. Uh, so I'm not in like I'm I'm not in the middle of it. I'm not that close to it, but I know a ton of people who are just kind of out there. You know, sure. it's like, oh my god, just make it home safe. <laughs> totally. You know, Upper Marlboro is PG County as well. Just yeah, so people PG are, County is it is Demet in Upper Marlboro or Hyattsville? No, it's Hyattsville. That's Upper that's Marlboro. Hyattsville. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Just trying to give people a better sense of where Upper Marlboro is. And then Prada, you're out in Long Island right now. Yeah. Well, I am, and you know that's a subject I'm sure we'll talk about at some point of just yeah. kind of our vantage points for all of this. And yeah, I have a lot of things that worry me, but that's not really the focus of the conversation right off the bat. Absolutely. And then Sykes, like, I I guess, I mean, I look, I subscribe to um, the kicks you wear. 
I, again, pray to thank you for sharing that with me uh, when you did. And, and I, I want to get your initial thoughts. Um, I, I saw the post you put up. We, can, we can't uh, talk about shoes today, but I wanted to get your uh, your thoughts on sneakers aren't important today. Um, I'm trying to get to the other one you wrote. Actually, sorry, the Nike and Adidas statement is not good enough. That's where I wanted to start. It really was the post you uh, made a couple uh, ago. And I want to start with sort of what what are your expectations for brands as they jump into this conversation or if it's a part of the conversation they've already been a part of like Nike where I would argue that they've made as much money off of things like Colin Kaepernick's peaceful protesting as any brand out there and, and try to, if not step into it, use it as a, as a tool for advertising as opposed to being a part of um, the right discussion. So as you tackled this, um, sort of the, the statements by Nike and Adidas and not just those two, but brands in general, what were your expectations for them? And then ultimately, what would you like to see brands saying? Uh, so so for me personally, I don't really have a, a, a certain expectation for a brand. Like when, when stuff like this happens, I don't expect brands to to just jump in and, and say something. Like to me, you don't have to say anything. In fact, I would probably prefer you didn't say anything um, as opposed to put out a statement that pretty much says nothing anyway. Right. And and so and so for me, just seeing on Saturday, you know, so many brands putting out these statements, you know, denouncing racism. Uh, and that, I mean, that's pretty much it. Like, it was just like, hey, don't be racist in, in most of the statements. And it's like, well, that would be fine if George Floyd wasn't just killed by a white police officer. But. He was. And, and so that's the situation of the day. And if you're going to put something out, if you're going to say anything, that it needs to be about that specific situation and, and the circumstances that got us here in uh, police brutality. And so if for me, if if a statement doesn't have anything about that in it, then it's then it's kind of useless. Yeah, I'd say it's almost more worse than useless. It's sort of insidiously just corrupt corrosive because it make it makes people think that you care but like it's all, it's like one of those things where you don't have to go any further it's like a get people off our back sort of thing right yeah it feels like a checklist type thing right oh, yep. civil unrest check the box put this on there like it, just to be able to say that you did and to be able to have headlines and headline writing is under as much scrutiny as ever right now and it should be um, for our major American newspapers and both uh, online and in print, um, the things that we catch people's attention with matter, not just the, you know, what's in the body of the text. And I think when a brand like Nike and Adidas can then get 90% attribution across the Internet saying these brands made statements, what they said becomes secondary. And to your point, uh, uh, Sykes, that is not uh, a way to reach out or be a part of the solution or to be anything right now other than to say that we did this. So hopefully both the uh, um, I'll just use it so that this, both sides of who buys our product will be okay and satiated and continue to spend on said product. And that, that is a zero-sum way to just be a brand and not necessarily be a part of um, you know, the social consciousness. Right, right. And and, yeah. and from, from a certain standpoint, I understand that. Like, I, I get mm-hmm. that there are different consumer bases that these brands have to serve in, in different um, – different things that they have to, to uphold, if you will, um, yeah. to, to make sure that people continue to spend money with them. But then for some brands, for a brand like like Nike, 
right? Or, yep. or even Adidas, where like you have so many black creatives like Michael Jordan or Kanye West that kind of drive people from the black community into your brand. Like this is what this is what makes your brand your brand, right? It, it totally it's, it's black people spending money on products made from other created by other black people. These are the people who are, are your influencers. And so to me, there is if if you're going to put out a statement, you probably should put out a statement if you're one of those companies. But if if you don't really have that much to say other than don't be racist, then you shouldn't. But if you do put out a statement, then you have to be specific, like you have to stand with the people who have stood with you for so long and spent money with you for so long and, and have held your brand up and, and made it into what the into the thing that it is today. And and I just didn't see enough of that. And there there are so many companies that that will just take black dollars and and not stand with black people when when the time comes. And and to me that that is is the most uh problematic part of of this whole thing. Those companies include professional sports teams, especially professional <laughs> basketball. What just for specific sake cuz I I think I think it maybe just would be helpful for anyone who still is like for some reason not convinced in what we're saying. Like, what are some specific words or phrases or things you look for and you say, okay, that that statement did the job that it should have, or at least got got to where it needed to be. Like, what are some things that you look for where it's like, okay, that that's at least acceptable. To me, you have to mention, especially in a case like this, you have to mention police brutality and and Derek Chauvin and George Floyd and black and brown people like those are the 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 key points that you need to hit on you need to talk about um like it, it's fine to talk about systematic racism and and the impact that it has on the situation because it absolutely does have one that that is the reason why you know, Derek Chauvin would would get a a, a third degree murder charge mm-hmm. and and a manslaughter charge as opposed to second or first degree that that's the reason why you know Mike Brown um was was killed and and the officer had a, a grand jury trial that seemed kind of skewed from from the jump right and right mm-hmm. th- these are the circumstances that put those things in place but that's not why those two folks were killed that's not why cops ran into Breonna Taylor's home and and shot her seven times mm-hmm. uh, that, that's not <laughs> institutional racism that's just white cops being racist. Right. And mm-hmm. and so the institution is, is what's going to set those those folks up to to make it out of this relatively unscathed. But that's not we have to talk about these specific situations. We have to stay focused. That's the only way that these things change. Mm-hmm. And I, w- I would also say probably you also I mean, there's certain code trigger words that just have to be in in this these sorts of things like this is. This is totally separate, but, like, my Jewish high school released a statement. I remember thinking I was looking for these. It did have the word murder. It did have the word African-Americans. It did not have the word police. And so I'm thinking, like, I'm keeping score of, like, all these different sort of words I need to hear. Are there others that you look for like that where it's, like, this statement is, like, just as invalid if it doesn't include, like, these, whether it's active verbs, whether it's certain nouns, like, these words? Yeah, like, murder, killed. Um, one of the things that was really bothering me, um, just from from a, a media standpoint, also not not just like a brand statement standpoint, mm-hmm. was when people were saying that George Floyd was 
that he died in in police custody. <laughs> the passive voice yeah. you're saying. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And that's like that's not true. <laughs> like that's not true. Like he he was he was killed by a police officer, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if we go back to 2015 in the Freddie Gray situation where he dies in the back of a paddy wagon because of rough driving, then then should, like maybe that's where something like um you know died in police custody is is applicable but that's not applicable in this situation and it, and it's just like you said the passive voice that kind of thing that is that I'm seeing in so many of these statements that just totally invalidate them to me it it mm-hmm. just it it turns them to to nothing for me it's a really important distinction i think the passive versus active voice yeah, it was the, then that goes right into the sort of the, the headline grabbing that you see where it's like protesters rioting, rioting, right? And then it's, right. yeah, and then it's George died in police custody. And so, yeah, it's just the, 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 like the, the um, dichotomy of how we talk about the race in this country is broken. And I think, it's, you know, we look at newsrooms around the country um, uh, don't necessarily have the right oversight in terms of how these things are being published and you then the immediate backlash happens which is necessary and then what we're seeing is like uh you know the new york times will change the headline two or three times um you know outside of the print version so it's like acknowledging wrong after you've done it is not helping here just be i would say be proactively um empathetic and and try to be uh, you know again without the New York Times is not going to lose subscribers over this. There are brands like Ben and Jerry's had one of the best, uh, yeah, as the far best, as hitting all the words. Yet. Yeah, it's but the best, the best one yet. yet. And Ben and Jerry's isn't trying to cater to a specific audience. We know who they are. We know how they stand. They have one of the most like through and through lifelong brands out there. They're, yeah. they're a liberal bastion company. Uh, they might be owned by Unilever right now, um, but they still are able to sell you know their peace of mind. And that that didn't take a, I'm sure a whole lot of work for Ben and Jerry's to just be authentic in how they wrote about this and so you know what i don't understand is ben and jerry's i'm guessing is not losing customers over if anything they're probably gaining customers over being direct and not Dude, ben, ben and jerry's is owned by unilever now that's one of the largest cpg brands um in the world right, right. there's there's nothing they can do that's going to hurt their bottom line but the whole point is they, they didn't create a permission structure to have this type of, of press release it's been the ethos of the company and i think so yeah, much of this what point. we're talking about is companies pivoting talking about how they're going to be more sensitive what they can do and then there are some brands like ben and jerry's where the founders have lived this and like they're they're two white jewish guys who have been at the front line of civil rights and progressive movements for a long time right, right. um and so it's not like they're pivoting to I think they're speaking how they feel. Um, you know, other brands that have been have been good about this, I could tell you that we work with, like Allbirds was the first to reach out and be and be very quick to say, we're not pulling down our advertising, but we'd like to run this new copy. I can't share that here for NDA purposes, but I can tell you that it is the right sediment. Mm-hmm. It's in line, and they were way ahead of every other brand we work with. Right. And I think what's, what's crazy is that Nike and Adidas, these companies should be that type of brand. And yet they're Absolutely. still producing statements that are just meaningless. Can, right. I, can I ask you guys a question um, about the time of this? Do you, what are your thoughts on um, 
uh, two things. And Sykes, I want you to go first here. Does this look and feel differently? Because I want to try to merge the two worlds you know best here, which, which I, I believe sports is still one of them, although it feels distant. But like, does, does this conversation sound different if sports are happening right now and there's post-game pressers or there's pre-game or there's the ability for people on national television live as the only game happening, you know, the NBA comes back? Is this conversation going to be heightened when, when the game does come back? Or, or what do you perceive, like, what's the the tone, tenor, and, and and sort of reaction going to be once there's not just the ability for Tobias Harris and all the folks around the league who are going out and protesting and being a part of it, but now they're going to be on that national television with camera in their face, right. pregame, yeah. midgame. How's that work? What do you think um, that looks like? I, I'm kind of torn on, on that whole thing because it's like, mm-hmm. on one hand, um, we we would be we would see players kind of using their platform to to accentuate these these issues and 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 talk about these things on on a national scale which is which is an amazing thing but also at the same time it would also allow people an an escape from yeah. this thing yeah. right that's and true. and that's and that's the one thing that i i think we cannot do right now if if we really want something to to change if we want to want to actually make change and and figure this thing out then we don't need any any distraction to me and and so for me obviously there's never a perfect time for for a black man to be killed by by a cop you you don't ever want this to happen sure right but um as far as sports not being here as far as the world being on pause because of COVID-19, I think that this is uh, a moment that we can take advantage of that, you know, it, it it's an, it's an opportunity. It's an opportunity to me. Like people, people have to pay attention to this thing. And that's what we have needed forever is for people to pay attention. You cannot turn on your TV and, and not see something about, you know, George Floyd or, or protests. Or I, I saw the other day that, there was some spot on like Nickelodeon or something wow. uh, <laughs> with, with uh, where they were talking about legitimately like police brutality. And, and that, that puts parents in a situation where they kind of have to explain that to their seven and eight year olds. And that's, that's a tough conversation, but it's also a conversation that needs to be had because, because honestly, let me tell you, like as, as, as a black boy coming up, that was the conversation that I had to have. And mm-hmm. so for everyone else to have to have that conversation now for, for, you know, white, white folks, kids having to ask them, Hey, what is this? Why is this happening? Why did they do that to that man? That is, that's essential right now. And I'm, I'm glad that that that's taken place. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. I think, I think having sports would be detrimental to all this. Um, No, it's funny what you say about the parents, because I mean, I think I would, place myself very much in that bracket of people where, you know, over the last few years, I've really had to wake up to all of this. And I have a two, almost two and a half year old daughter. And I remember, I mean, we had a conversation last night, my wife and I, about like, how do we make sure that our daughter, who's two and a half, who doesn't understand any of this, like is going to be aware of all this stuff happening in the world and be on top of it. Because I do think that, you know, the other thing that I think is really powerful about this moment and, you know, for I'm only speaking for myself, but I think it's true for everyone is like, I think maybe like 15, maybe like 50 years ago when like there was no social media and there was no like kind of ability to film the cops. Um, 
that we have now. I think it would be important for these athletes to take advantage of the airtime that they are getting to talk about this, but they they don't need that airtime anymore. You know, there's so many ways that the message can get out, and you know, so I don't think they need to be on TV to do that. And you know, you see Jalen Brown and Malcolm Brogdon and. Uh, I think I saw Deshaun Watson was marching in Houston, um, right? There's college athletes marching in their hometowns. You know, players yeah. who play for Clemson marching in Tulsa. There's, you know, um, I, I think another part of this is the ability for the same athletes to, to mobilize their social followings. It's not like you could just tweet out and, and tell folks to come to your basketball game. It still costs a lot of money to right. go to a professional <laughs> sporting event. Right. Uh, right. Even when people can go to sporting events again. But you can say, hey, I'm, I'm meeting at Barclays Center or in Tobias Harris's case. I, I keep bringing him up because he's been one of the large, you know, the, the most outspoken advocates uh, of the Philadelphia athletes playing right now. And, and uh, you know, he penned a great piece today uh, in, in the Players' Tribune. I don't know if either of you have read it yet, but, you know, it's, it's thoughtful. It's worth reading for sure. Um, and, and Harris is the type of player who, you know, he is a smart, sensitive interview during the games. But I think what to your both your points is able to do more right now um, without basketball and be heard for a very specific yeah. objective, um, which is which is good. Um, That's also why, like, I just find these statements so. I mean, by like these teams, like, just so pathetic that they're just skirting around the issue. Like, I just. Yeah, but it's because it's yeah. because you have you have head coaches in the NFL right now, right? Like literally the head coach of the Denver Broncos today saying, "I don't think racism is an issue in the NFL." Like this is like a week after the NFL discussed, uh, you know, providing teams with extra draft yeah. picks to incentivize them to just hire African American coaches, right. of which the right. league is whatever eighty percent comprised of players of African American backgrounds. Like this is like, you know, the idea that leagues are having an issue at, at the top level. You know, and then right below the league itself is the owners. Although I would argue that the you know the uh, Goodell is the um, you know beholden to all the shareholders, which are the thirty owners or thirty two owners or thirty one and the and the Green Bay Packers. And so you know you have all these at the top level people struggling to have the conversation, and it's because the 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 number one general of any NFL team, if we're going to talk about militaristic aspects of the NFL, is the is the head coach. And that head coach, if he doesn't believe that racism is real, it's going to be really difficult for that organization to make some kind of cohesive statement. That makes sense um, for, and that is, for the Broncos. What about, like, for Nike? <laughs> That's the thing that gets me. Oh, oh, well, this is the thing, right? I mean, this is – and Sykes, I'd love your input here. But, like, what relationship do, do the players themselves and the leagues themselves have to these brands when it comes to these statements? Like, at what point should a player decide, hey, Nike wasn't a strong enough advocate I'm switching over to and then name the brand who is. Um, like, what, what are your thoughts on the relationship between these brand entities and then the athletes and sports themselves? Yeah, it's 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 an interesting relationship to me. I, I think there have been a, a number of players who have, have really done impactful things, uh, just kind of outside of of their of their brands of, of the outside of their teams. And I I think there's to to me there is from from an individual perspective there's a lot more leeway that these players get from individual brands like Nike or Adidas or whoever to to kind of just go out and do what they want and and I think um like we see that kind of crystallize itself with LeBron James where he's like you know he's doing his his uninterrupted thing he has his Nike deal and and he's also like constantly tweeting when when things um like this happen about um, police brutality and and racial injustice and the inequities that uh, black people face in, in in this country, and and so I I think um, you know 
players have there's there's just a lot more rope today. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think you know obviously there are always going to be people who are kind of turned off by people speaking out about um, about these injustices and, and police brutality and things like that. But but I don't think these players care anymore. Yeah. <laughs> like I think it's just like you know I'm. I'm black. This is where I'm from. This is this is this is how my life is. If if you can't um, empathize with that, then then that's your problem. I also don't want your business. You know, yeah. um, I don't know necessarily like on a brand side how they handle that or how they would feel about that. But to me, just from the outside looking in, it doesn't seem like there's. Um, there's there's much of a pushback. And in, in fact, I would say that in some cases it's it's like encouraged because we, we do live in a time where people want to know what their brands think of yeah. of, of these situations and, and they want to they want their brand to be on their side of and if they're not then they're not spending money with that brand anymore. So it's like, yeah. okay, like maybe we lose a bit here but we're we're definitely gonna gain something from yeah. this. Well, can I say one, one thing with, uh, on that is that we you said we live in a time where we people want to hear what brands have to say, and that is in large part because and I'm not going to get too political here. You guys probably both know where I stand on all things. I work for Vox yeah, Media. You get pretty, pretty out. Who cares? Sure. Well, it's it's like this. Well, part of the reason why it gets personal, we want to know what brands have to say, is because corporations are people, according to the Supreme Court of the United States, when Citizens United passed hmm. the ability for brands to have direct direct input more than any individual voter or voter block because voters and voter blocks do not have billions of dollars to be able to put into lobbying groups to then have laws and regulations passed to have you know a uh, uh, civil discourse discussed in terms of what it means for a brand not what it means for a society and when when citizens united passed it made all these corporations into real people and really, really, really uh, uh, wealthy ones who could throw weight around in disproportionate amounts. It's, it's anti-democratic. It, it takes I agree. the idea of a single vote away from people right. and makes places like Nike. It matters what Nike thinks because Nike can spend a heck of a lot of money in lobbying the rubber industry. Things like that. Little small things mm-hmm. that, that that really make a whole lot of difference. Um, and so when Nike wants to have a social personality, I'm using Nike as an example. It's all of these brands. When you want to have a social handle and have a personality behind it, when you want to be instant to having your video ready to put up for any social cause, when you want to exploit things like Kaepernick's protest to the X uh, amount while still still trying to push, you know, whatever USA flagged golf shoes at the same on the same page. The idea is that, you know, with corporations becoming more and more um, uh, woven into to the way that politics are played, even more so than historically because of Citizens United a number of years ago now. Um, it, it does matter. You, you put yourself out there, we could track where your donations go. I, I know where Wendy's donates to. Right. I, you know, like we, this, is not, this is not information that's supposed to be hidden anymore. But people want to know, corporations, brands want to be a part of the, the conversation, and so is the background and where their money flows. And if that money is now technically a person, uh, as far as our government sees it, then I, it matters. And so to your point, like, I, I think it's super important that, uh, uh, you know, that we have a good a holistic understanding of what these brands are and mean. I had to say it, but it's true. The bingo, the bingo word has, the bingo word has <laughs> come through. Um, I mean, even more than a, yeah, holistic, even more than like a political question. This is just sort of a larger social societal question about the United States of America and our capitalist system. I mean, you sort of hit on it, I thought, in an interesting way, you know, Mike or Sykes is like, 
on some level, like, should these corporations who are for-profit entities whose job is to make the most money, like, be in this position where they need to do this? It speaks a lot, I think, to, like, how our our capitalism, how perverse capitalism is in our in our culture in some way, you know, even beyond the the politics of it, it's just, you know, it just, it's just interesting that like these multi-million dollar brands who are exist to make, take money from us or make money are now in this position where they are seen as, it's almost like, um, be careful what you wish for <laughs> with stuff like Citizens United. Um, I just think that's fascinating. Yeah, that's, that is fascinating to, to me. It, it's kind of, I mean, it, it, that's really weird, man. That's really weird, and 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 that's why, like I said, for me personally, I I I don't really. My expectations for these brands, it, it's extremely low um, when it comes to things <laughs> like this because, like, I I know what they are are here to protect, and that that is their bottom line, right? Mm-hmm. And and so when 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 I know what um what your incentives are. And I know that they don't necessarily, they're not always going to line up with, with what, what I need, what is essential for me and what is essential to uh, preserve black life in this country. It's like, I can't, I'm, I can't look to you for, for anything meaningful personally. And I guess the question then is, you know, you said this in your piece, I thought it was just so really well put is like, you know, this is a time when you sort of have to pick a side. There's too much at stake. There's too much, you have too much power as a corporation. Um, have we just crossed a point where like they, this is whether, whether this is a system we want or the system it is like, this is just what a corporation has to do now, especially one that to your point, like profits off black culture. Like, do you at this point, like whether it's like right or wrong that we got to this point, like this is the way the world is. You have to take a stand and too many of these corporations are just sort of taking the let, let's not offend as many people as possible stand using and i think that's like a question that not just corporations are facing but media members media organizations really everybody you know there is i mean all this whole discussion of objectivity and rising above the fray like kind of fits into this you know is it just is it it just too late to be kind of taking a non-answer in the sake of making money Uh, i don't know i don't know if it's it it sucks to say but i I don't know if it's too late for that like i don't are they there's none of these brands are going to face any any sort of real consequence from from putting out non-statements on Saturday right like mm-hmm. I, I I didn't like the Nike and Adidas thing on Saturday but people ate it up yeah. right and and so it's like you know they they if 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 we're not going to hold them accountable for for what they're saying, if we're not going to look at the 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 real verbiage and and what they are actually saying, which is nothing at all, then why would they stop doing this? There's no there's no real incentive for 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 any brand to like right now. I would say that the the incentive structure in place says put out a statement that you know just denounces racism, just says hey we need to treat people better in this country. Don't mention black people. Don't mention police. Just put something out and check this box and we'll be fine. I don't think that's, that's, that's changing anytime soon, unfortunately, because of, like you said, this, this, this capitalist state that, that we live in. 
Um, and and to, for me, that that is that is unfortunate, and it it totally undermines um, kind of everything that that we need to to kind of be doing right now. Like it's 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 a it's a it's a sad state of being for me personally. Hmm. I mean, if not now, when? <laughs> like, if the incentive isn't isn't here, I mean, it, it it speaks very much to this like overwhelming like kind of conflict that always happens in these situations. That is why we have white moderates to use King's words, which is like the, the conflict between what's safe and what's right or what's safe and what's, you know, that's sort of, that's the reason we have that. Cause there, I mean, I just, I mean, I know this is just, this is feels like what my community was growing up and frankly probably is right now living on Long Island is like, I think it's full of these people who are just in theory. I mean, I was, I went to a Jewish private high school like we were raised in the i think ben you're jewish too yeah yeah so we were raised in the valleys of like a threat to injustice anywhere is a threat to justice anywhere is that what the phrase is i feel like i'm butchering it yeah I, yeah. yeah yeah we're raising this a unique yeah but but if you're like sort of surrounded if you're not exposed to this on a regular basis, you know, that's why I think what this moment is so important because to Sykes's point, like it's all around us. You can't avoid it. If you're not exposed to it, like you can believe that in theory, but if it kind of comes to your front door, then the fears of safety and security and self-interest and money start to win out. And I just think that's a huge problem in the world. It is. It is. I think, look, I, there's no um, no ancestries have sh- exactly the same trajectory to where you get to. I, I you know I grew up as a Jewish person in a very un-Jewish area and mm-hmm. and this, yeah. essentially played uh, basketball as my main sport through AAU through you know through high school and then worked in a in South Central at a non-affiliated NBA training facility all during grad school and so you know I've been lucky to have like a very um, uh, you know, diverse um, a set of both schoolmates and coworkers and and teammates and and um, and all all the above. And I always think about there's a Hillel quote. Hillel is like a, a, a Jewish rabbi um, back in the way a long time ago, uh, and it's one of the most universal things, which is this idea of um, understanding what you can do uh, on a singular individual level, tying that into the larger world around you. The quote is, um, if I'm not for myself, who will be for me? Good. If I'm am being for myself, what am I? And if not now, when? Sorry, I'm showing off my Hebrew knowledge. You, you know more than I do about the <laughs> Hebrew part of this, but that, that can go for, that's a universal right there. You know, Jewish people have had their own um, struggles through the history of the world. We don't have to get into those. And, and look, like listening and how I apply that quote to uh, the struggle right now for the black community and, and not just now, but historically in the United States, it, it rings very true. And it's, it's a reciprocity golden rule type quote. And just the idea that people have, you know, stru- that struggle, not corporations, not brands in general, but just individual people, that there can even be a type of struggle to not want to understand um, the empathy or want to understand what other folks are going through to make you a better person and to be a better uh, uh, teammate. But that's <laughs> why tough. I find this so the brand stuff and, and so insidious is that yeah. like, it makes you it makes you 
it makes someone who isn't exposed directly feel like they're doing something or they're that, that like the black squares on Instagram is like kind of a, a form of empathy or whatever. And when, Oh my God. When like, yeah. I mean, I just know like, if, if you're not your thoughts on the black square, on, on <laughs> stop it, please. I mean, I put one up, so I feel kind of bad, but um, oh my God. It, it is, it is straight up censorship. Honestly, it, it's just, mm-hmm. it, 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 it the everyone's heart is in the right place with that mm-hmm. right and 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 like i think that's where i want to start with that like this is the 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 motivation behind it what it's supposed to do is is good but right now we are in a moment where communication is essential right if you're going to to post a a, a black square that says again absolutely nothing Right. Literally. Like, it literally <laughs> says nothing. Right. You might as well use that space to post some information about, um, you know, how to protest, what to wear to a protest, um, you know, where where safe houses in, in your area are, who who you can donate to. Just, just just something useful. Make make that space useful. That is that is much more essential right now than you know, radio silence from from folks across the Internet. And I, I that's also mm-hmm. another thing that I've seen um, a lot of, of brands kind of doing, just just posting these these big black squares on Instagram and Twitter. And it's like, yo, this this you're you're not saying anything. You're, you're saying nothing. There's nothing that you're contributing right now to this cause other than you're like, sure. Like, we know that, you know, it, it's going on. We don't know how you how you feel about it. We don't know what you think about it. And you're not helping anybody, you know. And and so, like, if, if your heart's in the right place, that that's great. But like, there's there's much better ways right now to to use your your social media platforms than to just post big black squares that are empty. It's true. And like, I got to be totally upfront. Like, I I understand where that comes from. Like, I, I just based on. My upbringing, I'm almost like a, in some ways ashamed, but I think it's sort of, that's why I think that having the direct experience is so essential. Like, it's so easy to think that that is like a serious thing because, I mean, I don't know if you, how much you guys know about psychology, but there's this concept of heuristics, you know, where it's like what you're, you're, this basically the one of the core central beliefs that I think is really important for people to internalize is that we don't, we, we feel and then reason we don't reason and then feel. And I think if you're, if you're sort of constantly, and this is, again, this is something I really worry about and like, that's going to happen to me. And I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm thankful that I know people like Mike and people through my job that have sort of helped serve as a check on this, but it's something I legitimately fear. It's something I fear for my kids. It's something that I, I saw another white parent recently put on Instagram and said, Something along the lines of, um, you know, I, I wish to resist the urge to give my daughter the com- like the total comfortable life I had, um, and it's just when you when you aren't like kind of seeing this happen live when you're not engaging with it in any meaningful way, what happens I think is that the heuristics of what you're most engaged in like sort of take over, and that's what you do. So. With a brand, the heuristic is like, let's not offend. And so that's what you get with the classic white moderate group person that MLK is talking about. Like, you just, you may believe in theory that 
these tenants, but if you're not like exposed to them, what will happen is that your fear of whatever they represent will overtake your reason and your logic that you've learned. And so that's why it's also why I think Mike is so right about sports not being here. It's like one other thing that we could focus on that would dominate our heuristic to do something real about this. So I think the fact, I think the fact that these are all well-meaning statements, I know exactly where that comes from and that's what worries me so much. And that's why I hope that so many, the fact that this is happening at a time when there's nothing else going on is just forcing, I mean, you can't, you can't scroll down a Twitter timeline without seeing this in action. And that's just, if you're not even there. Right. I, I think the idea that nothing's going on is a little, uh, it's a little counterintuitive. I think you could argue this is, the most it's ever gone on. I, we just think of things that when we say going on, yeah, it's, you're right. It's distraction oriented. Yeah, right? no it's distractions going on. I agree with you. Yes, yeah, that's important clarification. Yes, you're right. No yeah, distractions. And, and even even and even when I use the term distraction, like I I don't think of sports as someone who works in that industry and and like genuinely loves a lot of various sports. Um, like I don't think of them as a distraction. I think of them as a value structure that is lower. And I think that the repurposing of society's value structure is one thing that COVID brought on. The idea of where you want to spend your money, where you want to, uh, you know, how you think about your family, how you think about your relationships, all those things that are a higher value in the hierarchy of, of, you know, principle and where you should be putting your thought, time and energy. And then something as big as this comes along. And when I say it comes along, I mean, it's been here. We've been dealing with this, you know, America's original sin for the entirety of our country. It's a great way now, to put that it, in my, I, I yeah, love that term. That slavery is true. America's original sin. We're going to spend our entire lives repenting it. Yeah, but that's the deal, though. Yeah, that's right? it. That's exactly it's, it. So, but now that there's enough people, again, with, who have repurposed their value structure to think about things that matter, and then something that comes uh, back into the public attention that really matters, it gets – it gets even more of um, of the right parts of, I think, the, the activism that is needed, as well as the attention from a national and international standpoint. I mean, I, I don't know if you guys saw all of the other marches happening and protesting happening around the world, but like yeah. mm-hmm. seeing that, you know, the idea that the president can can talk about how the rest of the world's laughing at us, and then the direct correlation is the opposite. It's they're standing with us. Um, they're laughing at him. <laughs> they're laughing at him. Well, no, I, I just yeah, I know what you're saying. Yes, yeah, the idea that he would say such a thing, and which is don't listen to any of the shit that comes out of his mouth. But the idea is that it's the opposite. Is that right. you know, the world is a lie? Now I don't need China's minister of whatever to say this because they have a million Muslims in a concentration camp, so they don't not exactly the best ally to talk about human rights. Right. But with that in mind, there are definitely you know seeing. Um, seeing the way that the world has been able to focus on two things right now and only two things, which was a pandemic and then the systemic uh, and, and, uh, and, and very relevant, timely um, you know, marches and, and protesting happening here uh, against racism, like that extra focus, um, so, you know, as I read, kind of thought about even your answer from 25 minutes ago, Sykes, about what, what would happen if sports were on. Um, I think that that general evaluation of what matters is important and helping people put more energy and more time and more consideration from a, not just one, two, three days, eight days, nine days, two months, whatever the summer ends up looking like into protesting things that, that matter. I think, um, I think is important. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree um, more. Yeah. Yeah. And I just hope, I just hope the brands see this. I mean, I agree with you that like the incentive structures are not there, but like, they, they have this, I, I just, they have this power and I just hope that they use it.
Yeah. Hey, um, Sex, I have a question for you, man. Are you, sure. um, I know on your, um, on your, I guess it's a Substack. Also, you and Mike are both sub sub stackers. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Mike's on Substack at this point. Are you planning on on continuing to to move? Um, you know, at least in the time being, like what you're writing about and sort of what you're putting your time into from a writing standpoint into um into you know, more of this cu- cultural conversation uh, away from uh, maybe shoes and sneakers as much as you usually do. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it, for me, writing. The newsletter that I wrote on, um, I actually wrote that kind of throughout the weekend. Like generally I write on, uh, Sunday nights, but like this weekend was just so, um, it was so emotionally overwhelming for me that like I, I kind of just had to, to do it piece by piece starting mm-hmm. on, um, Friday when, uh, the previous issue published. And just from there, like I, I kind of just thought about like how I should, go about doing doing the newsletter and like i so throughout this time with with COVID 19 like i've i've had newsletters that have been structured around talking about um the sneaker industry in relation to the virus and and how um how companies are are handling it how consumers are handling it how brands are thinking about it and and things like that and and so i think um, I'll probably take a similar um, a similar route with 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 this in in the um, the uh, killing of George Floyd and and Breonna Taylor and Ahmaud Arbery. Um, those those are that that's what the time is right now mm-hmm. um, for me. And and I think uh, if if I'm writing a newsletter about sneakers and intersectionality, then there are definitely ways that that this intersects it, it intersects with everything so so yeah like that that all, all that to say yeah i'm definitely uh, <laughs> good good it's definitely it's definitely gonna gonna continue to be this for for however long it, it it goes along that's good yeah and and your words are so important i mean like also just the way you write it's just so direct and plain and hits at feelings and i think this is a time for us to all confront feelings not reason um yeah. so i i just <laughs> i think that you're doing you're doing so much. I mean, just, I know, like, I don't know. It's, it's as valuable in some ways as some of the other, and not to say that it should replace activism, writing to your congressman, donating to, um, uh, bail funds. I donated something to, what's the name of the Stacey Abrams one vote campaign. Um, what's that thing called? Um, like fair vote or whatever. I donated yeah. to that. Today. Yeah. Yeah. yeah yep. Fair fight. That's it. Donated fair to fight. that today. Um, you know, but the, like our words are so powerful because they have the ability. Your words are so powerful. They have the ability to just change the way people feel. I mean, and I just I, I thank you for what you're doing. Like, is there anyone else you would recommend right now? Like, uh, tell our audience, anybody, uh, people who are writing, places, outlets, etc. People should be seeking more information, trying to learn, read um, uh, about the times. Anything you'd recommend? Um, to be honest, I have kind of unplugged. Um, <laughs> good. That's, that's good. Answer, good answer. Uh, for the um, just over like the next week, I'm just gonna take some time and just try to keep a clear mind. But I have been reading a ton of people. The the best thing I've read so far was that piece. I had actually linked it in the newsletter by um, mm-hmm. Slate's Julia Craven mm-hmm. on um, on how we've lived through this last week before. Right. It, yeah. it, this, this week feels a lot different because 
we we don't have anything else right now, and this is and this is what it is, right? Like we have to to talk about George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and Ahmaud Arbery and and police brutality in America, but this has happened a lot, right? And and so um, you know her piece I thought was so perfect in just articulating that and how how it feels to be black in in America. Right. Um, another guy I would recommend uh, to read on on this is um, is the Ringer's Tyler Tons. He yeah. anytime <laughs> something like this happens, he is uh, kind of my go to um, as far as like what like I I don't I honestly don't know how he does it, but he just it, it's like he knows exactly what I'm thinking and exactly what I'm feeling <laughs> and, and puts it on the paper in that way and, 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 and sends it. And it's always amazing. So, um, you know, there, there are so many people who are, um, who are worth reading, but, but those are the two that like right now I'm just like, yeah, like this is, uh, this is it. That's cool. Yeah. We're a friend of the pod and former coworker Tyler Tynes. So yeah. I always appreciate cool. how it's never, he never makes you feel comfortable with what he's saying. It's important. No, <laughs> really. I mean, I think no, it's really no, no, important. You're, right. you're a hundred percent. And that yeah. was even, that was even when we were just talking about like, you know, just like the Sixers, you know? So yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's something that you, you appreciate, I think too For late, sure. which is even more needed at the ringer these days. Um, well, <laughs> I, I also, we're not a ringer podcast. Yeah. Exactly. Um, the other thing I'd say, I mean, this isn't, I just, uh, uh, what all that stuff that Mike's talking about is really important. I'd also say that like anybody who's covering like sort of the long history of the militarization of the police over time, uh, it's just really important historical context right now for what's Absolutely. happening to show like how there are two, forces just clashing together um and both are equal or both have a significant impact in what we're seeing just what you're seeing with like these militarized costs right now is not come in a vacuum it's come from really years i'm there there's a really good book um about the rise of the warrior cop I, that it just starts with the question like are cops unconstitutional it's like kind of a crazy thing to think but then you you think about it it's like wait a minute like maybe they are at least in what we think of cops so and how do we get to this point it's certainly um a direct correlation between how we have policed the world um and the equipment that's used in our international affairs having a surplus of that because of the long-lasting wars that we've been in as a country and then bringing that back and then providing the same equipment to police officers who have very different training and backgrounds than the military officers who use them and i'm i'm pretty anti the American military industrial complex as well. But I think there's uh, um, a completely different rationale for arming a soldier um, in, in Afghanistan than there is for arming a police officer who's regulating a nonviolent protest in the streets of America. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, look, I have a, a very good friend who's an LAPD officer who was a he was an actor and an Uber driver three years ago. This isn't someone who like had the uh, uh, interest. He's doing it for health purposes because he has a pre-existing condition and he needs to have a pension just in case he dies someday at a young age. Right. Wow. Like this is the type of shit that some police officers go through. I'm not here to draw empathy, but I'm saying these are not people who like have in. And I know this for a fact in this one particular case. 
He shouldn't have weapons like military officers. He was an Uber driver three years ago. He's not trained for this shit. Like, he's got the bare minimum LAPD training. And so, like, you know, the idea here um, that the militarization of our cops is something that has been happening for a long time and then was accelerated significantly over the last decade with all of the, you know, again, surplus of ammunition, weapons, armory, body armor, et cetera, that, uh, that stems from the Iraq war. I mean, not to minimize... The, the race, the racial part of all this, it's no, just as important. Just, I think that's just another interesting. It heightens it. It, yeah. it makes it. Yeah, I, just, I think there are two forces happening right here. Robocop. You get it's scary. It doesn't de-escalate anything to see someone with a, a massive gun that shoots canisters that are the size of coke bottles. Yeah, like, right. No, yeah, yeah. No, that's that's absolutely a part of it, and and that, I mean that's an essential part of it. Honestly. Yeah, like it, it, like you said, Ben, like it. Yeah, if if I see a a tank coming down the street, then like it's like okay, like I I know what's about to happen here, you know, <laughs> right. and and it's like you you see you see all these stories about um, tensions between protesters and um and and police and and you know some stories will tell you that it's the protesters who are kind of escalating things, and then the other will, will say that like. It, it's it's the police with with these with these military grade weapons that are are kind of egging them egging them on, egging them on in a way and and it's like when you watch these when you watch these things when you watch these interactions it's like yo like that is that is the scariest shit ever like I I, I if if I'm face to face with a cop who has a gun shield just like point i can't see behind it like i can barely see your face like you you yep. you are geared up like you're about to go to war with me uh, an american citizen unarmed just here with the sign like how 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 are people supposed to react like wh- which yeah. side of that story do you think is is actually actually happening and I, and i yes. think that that is a that is a major part of it all this for a group of people who are sworn to serve the community, not. It's, no, it's, it's 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 and it it creates the wrong incentives as well, even for good, well-minded um, people when you're, you're given all this stuff and this is what you train in. You're right, Mike, and both of you guys. And like this, look, there's a direct correlation between the anonymity that social media provides for hate groups and for things like white supremacy and a lot of the uh, domestic terrorist groups that we have, um, most of which are on the far right and that are, you know, you know, that can get into that. We won't. But the the direct correlation between that and the anonymous feeling of putting on a face shield, a uh, mask, uh, putting a black piece of tape over your badge, not even wearing one, not even necessarily identifying with a specific department. That's scary as shit. One of my favorite books, and I'm a history major, guys, and one of my favorite people to read is this guy named Timothy Snyder. He's a, one of the longest tenured professors at Yale from the history department. He's a super smart guy, and he is basically the expert on 20th century lessons, um, and that's to say um, of tyranny. The book is called On Tyranny, um, and literally it's 20 lessons from that we should be taking and trying to not let happen right now. And lesson number six of the book is beware of paramilitaries, and that's because think Things like the DOJ popping up and having the ability to put some unarmed, some some you know militaristic-looking people without badges on the steps of Lincoln Memorial don't help squell or uh, make things better. Uh, they they make things look significantly worse, and and the appearance of providing that militaristic uh, backdrop doesn't make anything de-escalated. Uh, it, it makes things worse. Yeah. Um, 
So audience, read that book. It's super short, very easy to read, and it'll be profound for, for understanding what's happening right now. One other guy I wanted to shout out who I follow on Twitter, I think is really good with this stuff, is uh, Wesley Lowry, who I guess is now at CBS. I thought he was with The Post, but yeah. moving. Yeah. he's really good just at cutting to, through the bullshit. So um, yeah. just as other people to follow. Um, sweet. Well, yeah, I mean, look, hey, this was I, it's helpful to hear from from you, Sykes. And like, I think, uh, you know, keeping up the work that you're doing um, on your newsletter and that's the kicks you wear, everyone, um, you know, is great. Not just for when you, you're talking about sneakers, but I think even more so now that using your platform uh, to articulate a, a very important voice and message and, and ultimately to do what you're doing, too, which is sharing those links, um, sharing those things that you find powerful, um, because that's what we're looking forward to. I know Mike and I are looking for um, as much exposure uh, and, and places to learn as possible. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate you guys for, for, for having me on it. This was, this was, this was really good. Um, I am determined to use this, uh, this platform that I have to, um, to, to try and make things, um, better in, in, in whatever ways that, that I can. Do I have a lot of hope to be honest? No. <laughs> um, but I'm still gonna, I'm still gonna do, uh, do what I do because that's, that's pretty much, um, all we, all we can do. Um, I wanted to say one last thing, um, really quickly. I, over this, this weekend, like, I've been reading, um, a lot about George Floyd and the kind of guy he was. Like, he, he seems like a really good dude. Um, was a truck driver, uh, a father, um, a brother. Uh, this seems like, a a really nice guy, but, the truth of the situation is that I should not know George Floyd. There should never have been uh, a moment where where I I, I learned about George Floyd. Um, mm-hmm. The same with Ahmaud Arbery. The same with Breonna Taylor. Uh, the same with Mike Brown. Um, the same with Tamir Rice. Like I shouldn't know these people. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, just. I just want people to to understand that like these are normal everyday um just normal everyday regular people just like you and me and they were killed in situations they had absolutely no business losing their lives in and so um you know it's it, I just want people to feel a way about that you know, just just yeah. just just realize like the magnitude of, of, of the situation, the fact that, you know, these these regular everyday people and and why, you know, them and and do what you can to make sure that you don't ever have to know another person that you don't need to know ever again. I think it's so well said and a perfect way to end. Mike, be safe, be healthy mentally and physically. Wish for all the best for you. Same for you, Ben, and for everybody listening. This is the Limited Upside Podcast.